Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name right now, God. We give you glory. We give you honor, God. We thank you, God, for waking us up this morning and starting us on our way. This is a day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you for the person on my left and on my right. I thank you for those that are watching online this morning. I thank you for those who made it in the house of worship this morning. And I pray, Father God, you will meet us at our point of expectation. We expect healing. We expect deliverance. We expect breakthrough. We expect overflow. We expect, Father God, doors to fly open and bodies to be healed and, and relationships to be mended. God, we expect, God, the supernatural to occur today. And God, we pray that you would meet us at our point of need and our point of expectation. God, hide me behind Calvary's cross that somebody might get a glimpse of Jesus. I am the clay. You are the potter. Take me, make me, mold me, shape me, use me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then, Father, I put my hand on somebody's shoulder. I put my hand on somebody's shoulder. And God, I touch and agree with them that what they stand in need of is on the way. I squeeze their shoulder to let them know I'm praying for them this morning. I touch their shoulder to let them know they're not by themselves this morning. I touch their shoulder to let them know that what you're praying for, I'm praying. I'm praying with you. I touch and agree. It is done. It is done. And Father, we touch and agree with everybody online this morning with, with Janice Kilborn and my cousin Russell Spencer and Terry Bryan and Elisa Porter. We touch and agree right now that you are doing what they ask you to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we do pray. Hallelujah and amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Give God glory all over the place. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Anybody glad to be in the house of God this morning? Oh, I just love Sunday mornings. It's just something special about Sundays when we come together for worship. Ever since I was a little boy, I can remember getting up going to church on Sundays. Y'all remember that? You, you remember as a teenager, your mama used to, you know, you, you go, she let you go out to the juke joint, let you go roller skating, Derek. You remember that? Give you some little spending change, go to the movies. And then you came in late, like 12 or 1 or something. And mama be there with their little moo moo on at the door. And you said, mm hmm. Did you have a good time? Yes, ma'am, I did. All right, we're going to church in the morning. Mom, I'm sleepy. If you can go out and be with the devil on Saturday, you can get up for the Lord on Sunday morning. <laughs> so y'all got up this morning. I, I, th that ain't for you. That's for everybody else. Um, touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad you got up this morning. Do y'all know what September is? It's our anniversary. Anniversary. We will be 21 years young. Look at somebody and say, New Direction is legal. <laughs> Amen. We're going to celebrate on 9-11. Uh, this is also the day of our anniversary. So many wonderful things are happening in September. Uh, let me tell you a few of them, then I'm going to move on. Uh, first of all, uh, we got the anniversary coming up. Our anniversary is on, really on the 9th, but this year it falls on 9-11. Uh, and so we want to make sure we show up in a big way. Everybody say, we're showing up in a big way. So it's anniversary, so already get ready. We're going to be in Winridge Park uh, right after service at 9.30. We're going to go over to Winridge Park, and we're going to ask you to BYOB. 
Bring your own Bible. You get your mind out the gutter. <laughs> Bring your own blanket. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have jumpy things for the kids, bouncy things. We're going to have music. We're going to have HBCU choirs. And watch this. We're going to be baptizing out in the park. And here's our goal. We want to baptize 210 people on, on anniversary. 21 years, 210. 21 years, you got it. So uh, if you know somebody that wants to be baptized and they haven't been baptized and, and you've been walking with them and praying for them, invite them to come to church that Sunday and tell them you can be baptized in the park. Amen? And then um, on the 15th of that week, I told you that's also Rhonda and I's 29th wedding anniversary on 9-11. Amen. We'll be hitting 30 next year, baby. We still together. Uh, and so we'll be doing a master's, a free master's class in honor of our, our anniversary on the 15th. And so you can go to uh, my Facebook page. There's information on how to register uh, for a free, everybody say free. free. Free master's class. How many of y'all are seriously dating? Any seriously dating people in here that you've been dating the same person for a while now and you might get married? Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. You're invited to the free master's class. How many people are married and trying to stay married? You notice I said trying to stay married. So you need to be on that free master's class on the 15th. And then somebody say on the 16th. How many of y'all like laughing? I love laughing. I, I love having a good time. I work hard. I play hard. I like to laugh. Laughter is good for the soul. After all we've been through in this pandemic and all that, y'all, we need a good laugh, don't we? And so to celebrate anniversary, I brought in one of my good friends, Marcus Wiley. He's been here a couple of times. He's hilarious. I'm, I apologize. You could not really hear his funny clip because of the echo. We'll try to get that right next Sunday. But the, the man is hilarious. He's got a whole new comedy show. He's on tour. And he called me. He said, he said Pastor, can I come to Memphis? I want to give you first dibs. What night you want? And I said, bro, give, uh, give me the 16th. And uh, some of my friends were mad because they, the, they didn't get that date. Uh, so y'all need to come and be ready to laugh. We're going to have a good time. And so please, tickets on sale on Eventbrite. Y'all can get those. Uh, everybody get your phones out real quick. I need you to invite some people to worship with us this morning. We, there's a word from the Lord. Don't scroll. Don't, don't scroll. Don't log off. Uh-uh. Here it comes right now. We've been on this whole month talking about nope navigating other people's expectations. This is finale today. So I need y'all to share with your friends on your Facebook page. Go to New Direction Christian Church Facebook page and, and click the broadcast and share it to your page and invite your friends and your family because I believe there's a word for the Lord. The, the, word, the question I want to ask y'all this morning is what does Jesus expect from me? We, 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 we know what other people want from us and expect from us, but what does Jesus expect from me? And so share that on your page uh, to your family and friends. Y'all ready for the word of God? Amen. Amen. So stand up with me on your feet one more time, and let's go there uh, to the word. If I can get my password right. Yes, so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20, begin uh, reading from the message version, amen, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the message version, when you find it, say, he deserves it, amen, if you haven't found it, say, hold up, amen, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the message version, did y'all know that you can take notes while I'm teaching, 
go to the New Direction Christian Church app. Download it. I don't care if you're an Android or Apple user. It's on both stores. Download that app for free. And then they, my wife and her team have put the notes, fill in the blank notes, so y'all can keep up with what I'm saying. And many of y'all come up to me after church. What was number five? <laughs> I didn't get number five. See, no problem. I'll tell you. I'm glad you're paying attention. Because when you take notes, you retain it. All right? Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and the word of God reads this way. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. This is what Jesus expected from his disciples. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Marking them. Somebody say marking them. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day right up to the end of the age. I know what people expect from me, but what does Jesus expect from me? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Anybody else besides me raised by a single mama? Raise your hand. All right, it's a lot of y'all. Goodness gracious. What's going on, Gen X? Listen, um, so when I was younger, I was raised by a single mom, oldest of three. And y'all know the oldest always what? Has more responsibility than everybody else. We are the go-to person for mama's expectations when she gets ready to leave. So my mom used to be a nurse. She was a nurse. And she, when she got ready to go to work, she said, come here, boy. Give me some of these rules that I'm going to give y'all. Don't open the door for nobody. Don't answer the phone. Don't eat up all that food. That food's got to last all week. Make sure this house is Y'all talking to me here. As it relates to your brother and sister, make sure they don't fight. And if they do fight, who's going to get in trouble? Me. All these expectations, she says, and make sure it's done before I get home. Y'all sound like y'all had the same mama. She'd lay out all these expectations to make sure that we were clear what we were supposed to do before she returned. Jesus is the same way. He has some expectations on what he wants us to do before he what? Returns. Make sure this house, y'all ain't going to help me. Make sure this house is in order before I get back. Make sure, it's the same rules. Make sure your brothers and sisters don't fight. As much as it depends upon you, make sure you live in peace with everybody. Come on, somebody. Do not put your mouth on your brother or your sister. Jesus, got, he has some expectations. And I want to I look this morning. I want to look. And Jesus called his expectations. The last thing he said before he left earth is what I'm getting ready to share with you right now. 
Just like mama gave us some rules before she went to work, Jesus gave us some rules before he went to heaven. Do y'all want to hear them? Good. We're going to go over those today. That's all we're going, we're going to go over. We're going to listen to see what Jesus told us to do before he left earth. The first thing that Jesus expects from his disciples is to reunite after their trauma. Did, did you hear that? Jesus expects us to reunite post-trauma. What trauma have we been through, y'all? We've been through a whole lot. Can I ask you a question while you're talking to me? I like this interactive. Keep talking to me. It's fun. Um, what trauma did Jesus' disciples recently go through when he said this? His death. They saw him mutilated. They saw him beaten. They saw him, well, not all of them saw him crucified because most of them left and hid. But John and his mother and them saw nails being driven in his hands. Nails hammered into his feet. They saw a spear stuck in his side and blood and water came streaming down. They saw his limp body being taken from the cross and laid in a tomb. But then three days later, he rose again. But even with all of that, that's trauma. And he tells them to come back outside and meet him on the mountains. He has set a place for a reunion. Can y'all help me in here? God expects us to come back post-trauma. God, he has set a reunion. And many of y'all have come back. I see y'all coming back to church, and it's so good to see you. And I want to say this for somebody listening this morning that's online and may not be in the building. God wants you to come back to the mountain. He wants you to meet him on the hill. Y'all, we're getting ready to head to our 21st uh, church anniversary. And ironically enough, where do we start? We started up on a hill in a little bitty church at 5777 Winchester. That's where it all started. God says, I want a reunion on the hill. He says, I'm, I, want, I want you to head for the mountains. Do y'all remember back in the 80s, that old commercial? It's that time of day when you can say, head for the mountains. Y'all didn't have no granddaddy to drink bush beer. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> it's that time of day to head toward the mountains. We got to go up higher. How many of y'all have been in the valley long enough? How many of y'all have been in despair long enough and you're ready to move past all this pandemic stuff? Can you say amen if you're ready to head toward the mountains? Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to take it higher. Jesus expects us to come back after all of this mess, after all of this trauma, after all this drama. Come back to worship. Come back to service. Come back to mission. Come back to discipleship. Somebody type in the comments, it's time for a reunion. I've allowed other people's expectations to keep me grounded in the valley. I've allowed my own disappointment, my own grief, my own hurt, my own disappointment. Have y'all ever been in a place where you were so down and out you didn't know how to get back up? Has there ever been a time when your whole world was shook? Has, has there been a time in your life when you've lost loved ones, lost money, lost relationship? And, and the easiest thing sometimes it feels like is just to stay in hiding. But Jesus expects us to meet him on the mountain for a reunion number two number two the second thing that Jesus wants his disciples to do is to stop doubting him in worship Lord have mercy how, how are you going to be in worship second guessing if Jesus is really talking Hebrews eleven six 6 says but without faith it is impossible 
to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When Jesus appeared, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Can I help y'all? I believe on any given Sunday, half the people believe what I'm saying and half of y'all are up there scratching your head. Half of y'all like, that word is for me. And the other half is like, is that really God talking? Is that my emotions? You, you trying to ma but, 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 triplicate me. <laughs> I'm not trying to manipulate you. When the Holy Spirit hits your heart, you know when God is talking. But sometimes when you're in your feelings and in your emotions, you don't want to hear what God is saying to you. And, and, and the disciples, 11 of them, were there on the mountain, and it says half of them worshiped and half of them doubted because, y'all, they had been through some trauma, and trauma will make you doubt what God is saying in the present moment. Trauma will have you wondering, is this really God talking to me when God is speaking to you directly and you allow those old voices to get in your ear and block what God is saying in the present? Whatever you do this morning, do not allow the enemy to block you from worshiping. You got up this morning, put your clothes on for the simple fact that I needed to hear a word from the Lord. And the last thing you need to do is to talk yourself out of worship. Don't let anything or anybody distract you right now. Am I talking to anybody? Somebody got a text message while you were sitting in church there was the devil trying to distract you you came in church and somebody said something to you sideways there was the devil trying to distract you you came in and the sound was messing up and you thought about leaving and, the, and, and God says no 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 I need you to stay focused in this season because the enemy is trying to come and snatch up the word that I'm trying to give you but if I got some real believers in the house today can y'all stand up and just say I, I, I mean here and I hear every word that the Lord is saying to me I, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to worship the Lord. Is there anybody in here? Look at your neighbor and say, I cannot be distracted. I can't, I can't be distracted. I, I'm going through too much hell right now to come to church and not get my worship on. I'm going through too much on my job not to come and get my worship on. I've been going through too much in my life not to come and get my worship on. So you can sit there and act like you didn't come in here to worship if you want to. As a matter of fact, let me scoot over from somebody that ain't said amen the whole service. Is there anybody in here who came for the explicit purpose of making sure that I get my worship on and I get something from the Lord this morning because what I got coming up this week I ain't got time to come and play church what I got coming up this year I ain't got time to play church I came to worship I didn't come to argue with you I didn't come to see what you had on I didn't come to gossip about who's sleeping with who I came to get a word Slap somebody on the back and say, what did you come to get? <laughs> Sometimes, oh, y'all know both. Sometimes just getting here is half the battle, ain't it? Huh? You wake up, kids don't want to get out the bed, car don't want to start, y'all not going to talk to me. You burnt the bacon. You tripped over the dog, got in the house of the Lord, somebody didn't want to speak to you. That's the devil just trying to stop you from getting your breakthrough. But I need some people so hungry and so ready for your breakthrough 
that can't nothing stop me this morning. You should have killed me while you had the chance. I done made it in the house now. Come on, talk to me some country people. Anybody ever play hide and seek when you was, when you was young? Anybody that played that? And, and, and the whole objective was to what? Make it to the house. Because if you made it to the front porch, they couldn't mess with you no more. I, I need some help up in here. I need somebody who's been ducking and dodging the devil all week. And you made it into the house of the Lord. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, you can't touch me now. I done made it in the house. I done made it into worship. And the last thing I'm going to do is let you steal my joy. Watch this. Am I in the Bible? Yes, I am. The Bible says that some worshiped, some did not, yet Jesus was undeterred. I just need 50 of y'all who are undeterred. Like they tried to get me, they tried to make me come out of myself, but I didn't. I'm undeterred. They, they try to make me not want to come to church today. I'm undeterred. They try to make me quit my job. I'm undeterred. They try to talk me out of my opportunity. I'm undeterred. When, I, when I'm listening to Jesus, I don't care what you're doing in my peripheral. I'm, I came here to get a word, and I'm undeterred. That needs to be your word for the week. Type that in the, type that in the comments. I'm undeterred. When somebody come to you and talk crazy, just look up from your keyboard at work and say, I'm undeterred. When they cut you off on the interstate and give you the finger when they're going by, I am undeterred. Come on, somebody. I, I cannot be distracted, not in this season. I'm too mature for that. You, you got to come stronger than that devil. Mm -mm, I know who I am and whose I am. Mm -mm. I'm on, I've been on the mountain with Jesus. Mm -mm, you ain't going to bother me. Number three. The third thing that Jesus is expecting you to do is to take the green light. Give me the green light. I'm ready to go right now. Now, what, what does that got to do with the text? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you paid attention. Jesus tells the disciples to do what, Kalia? Go. Okay. Y'all didn't get it. Have you ever been at the stoplight, Dion? Dion, I, I know you can identify that. Have you ever been to stoplight somebody on their phone in front of you? Uh, and you running late for work? And the light been green? What, what, what do you say? See, see, this, I, I want to see if, I, I, if y'all going to tell the truth. Y'all going to act all holy. Say, I just pray. And I just patiently wait. And if even if it turns red, I just sit there and I wait. No, you don't do that. Elder, what do you say? That's the most stuff, right? Tell me you don't do that. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. What do you think God says to you when he told you to go and you still distracted? You all on social media watching marathon 
move, uh, all that stuff on your on demand. Jesus told you to go. He has an assignment for your life. He has purpose for your life, but you are distracted at a green light. You should have been moved. You should have left that job a long time ago. You should have been out of that abusive relationship. He even made a way of escape. He gave you the green light, but you were distracted and didn't see it was your time to go. Look at somebody beside you and say, don't be distracted at green lights. What am I talking about? God has given us, Shonda, green lights to say go. There's a particular thing that you're passionate about. There's something you're spiritually gifted to do. And Jesus says, I've anointed you. You haven't been coming to church just to go through the motions. I have been training you. I've been talking to you. I've been teaching you. And now I need you to go. All gas, no brakes. It's green. Go. What you waiting on? Why are you over here talking to yourself out of your own blessing? Why are you struggling with counterfeit syndrome why are you sitting here coming up with all these excuses when I already gave you the green light touch somebody and tell them give me the green light I'm ready to go right now <laughs> Pastor Russell am I making sense you you you, 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 you got, when God says go, you got to go. And, and many of y'all are in danger, not just from being late from work, but from missing your next move. Your blessing is on the other side of the green light, but for some reason you've been distracted and the light doesn't turn red. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss your window of opportunity. When it's green, go. Jesus says, go. Where does he say go, y'all? He says, go into all the world, teaching them whatsoever I taught you. He says, their doubts were, their doubts were quickly dispelled when Jesus started talking to them uh, because he started speaking with all authority that God had given him. There was power in the voice of Jesus. And this authority had been given to Jesus by the Father. And now he was instructing the disciples to go on the basis of that authority. Jesus was deputizing his disciples for what it is he was about to send them out to do. And this is number four. Jesus expecting you to use your power. Somebody say, I got the power. Somebody type in the comments, I got the power. You got to understand that when Jesus sends you out for your green light, he doesn't just send you out without power. Everything that Jesus is, is expecting you to do, he's backing you with the authority and the power to do it. A lot of times y'all have jobs that have position but no power. Status but no strength. Not so with Jesus. Whenever Jesus sends you out to do something, he gives you the power to do it. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Can I say that again? He does not call the equipped. You don't have to know what it is you need to do when God sends you to do it because when God sends you to do it, he's going to give you the power to carry it through. God will never send you where his grace cannot keep you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got the power. 
You've got the authority. What are you talking about? When Jesus, before he even got ready to go back to heaven, the Bible says in Luke 19, he says that he gave all of his disciples authority and power over devils, over demons. He gave them the power to heal sick people. He gave them the power to tread upon scorpions and snakes and not be hurt. He told them they could drink poison and not be killed. He gave them authority and power to raise the dead. Y'all ain't talking to me. That same power that he gave his disciples 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Ghost power that you have today. How many of y'all know that sometimes you can pray your own headache away? You can lay hands on yourself and say, by his stripes I am healed. You can go into your baby's bedroom and they acting a fool and you can speak to that demon, that you can speak to that negative spirit and say, in the name of Jesus, you got to get the hell out of my house. Is there anybody in here who knows that you have power and authority over the devil. The devil is under your feet. You, you, you shouldn't be scared of the devil. The devil should be scared of you. Every morning you wake up and put your feet on the floor. The devil starts sweating and getting nervous and say, oh hell, they woke up. We better, we better be on it today. Is there anybody who wants to make the devil mad? I dare you to stand up and give God about 10 seconds of praise and let the devil know I'm still here. I'm still alive. You tried to kill me. You tried to scandalize my name. You lied on me, but I'm still here. I've been kept by his. DJ Collis said they didn't believe that we would be here. They didn't think we could make it. But God did. I need some people in here that's here not because of what people expected, but because of what God expected. Can you look at your neighbor and say, God did. They didn't think I would graduate coming from a single mother family, but God did. They didn't think I would make it out of the poverty that I grew up in a single wide trailer on welfare, but God did. They didn't think that I would graduate the first person in my family to go to college and graduate, but God did. Do I have any God did people in here that people counted you out they left you for dead but God kept believing God kept loving you because he gave you the power to get up I know we ain't supposed to do this but y'all been vaccinated touch three people on the shoulder and say God did it 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 We ain't done that in a long time. Feels good. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is expecting you to use your power. Y'all be seated. Um, Y'all got my permission to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, like Pastor, like, like, like Elder Dr. Derek Payne, you have my authority to, to speak boldly to people who are stuck at green lights. Uh, you, you have my permission to, to speak to each other and say, go. Good God Almighty. As a matter of fact, some of y'all need a little push this morning. I, I want you to nudge your neighbor and say, girl, come on now. You, you Live your dream. Come on, man. Come on, bro. Move. Come on, go. Come on, be aggressive with somebody this morning. Say, go. Go do everything. How many of y'all can tell the truth that you've not done everything that God told you to go do yet? Then it's a lot of y'all what? Sleep at the green light. It's time for you to go, and it's time for you to go in the power and the authority that God has given you to go. Number five, 
Jesus is expecting you to train up other people near and far in this lifestyle. Type that out. Train other people in this lifestyle. What are you talking about? This is called making disciples. Discipleship is just training and living a lifestyle that mirrors the life of Jesus. The assumption here is that you've already been discipled. Watch this. You can't teach what you don't know. And you can't lead where you won't go. The expectation at this church is that you put yourself in a position to be discipled. These 11 disciples that Jesus was talking to on the mountain, y'all, they have been walking with Jesus for three years. Can I ask you a question? What spiritual training have you submitted to in the last three years of your life? And come to church on Sundays, not it. I'm not talking about worship. That's necessary. Hebrews tells us, 1025, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Do not, do not get in the habit of missing church. But I'm not talking about church. Our discipleship process at New Direction is called connect groups. Everybody say connect groups. In connect groups, we do life with each other. We share, we study scripture with each other. We pray for one another. We hold each other accountable. That's what Jesus' 12 disciples were about. They were connected each other in a small group, and he taught them for three years. And if you're going to spiritually grow and mature at New Direction, it has to be beyond Sunday morning. And I ask you a question again. How many of y'all in the last three years have submitted to a spiritual growth process by which you have been discipled? Because the Lord's expectation for you is that you get discipled and then you make disciples. Now, I know y'all like to shout and run and stuff, but I got to teach you first. I said Jesus' expectation for everybody in this room is to get discipled. And what's the second part of it? I just want to make sure this room heard it too. God's expe Jesus' expectation is for you to get and then to How many disciples have y'all made? When you get to heaven, God is going to ask you, who did you bring with you? Jump back to the concert? No. On vacation? No. To church? Mm. Who did you make? Because I've put inside each and every one of you the ability to be regenerative. What does that mean? To reproduce yourself. Within each and every disciple is a spiritual fertilization process by which you should be able to replicate yourself. What's unique about human beings is that we can, we can have babies, right? A man and woman can come together. They can be fruitful, and he can put his seed inside the woman, and she reproduces a human inside of her. Spiritually speaking, God has planted his seed, his word, in our hearts so that we can go out and make more fruit. Jesus says that you are supposed to be fruitful. And watch this. Every tree that bears fruit, he prunes. And sometimes pruning don't feel good. In other words, in order for, oh my God. In order for some of y'all to grow, he had to cut some off you. Some of y'all have been in relationships that were not bearing fruit. So God said, Asia, it's time to let that go. 
And some of y'all, some of y'all were so set on holding on to something that was no longer fruitful that God had to take the scissors out of your hand and prune it himself. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have broken up with them, so he had to break up with them for you. You would have never left the job, so they had to lay you off. And now here you are with an opportunity to grow again, but you got to quit lamenting over limbs that no longer are attached to you. Instead, God says in this season, quit worrying about what you got, what, what I cut off for you and look at what I'm trying to grow through you. And he says, I need you to go teach other people this lifestyle that I have shown you in the way that I live my life. Everybody say discipleship. He wants us to go make disciples. In the Connect group, we study scripture, we watch out for each other, and we are regenerative because we want to keep making disciples. Number six, and I'm almost done, Jesus is expecting us to go mark some people up. I know this is not like one of those like shout and run sermons, but look at somebody and tell them, Jesus' expectations for you. It's to go mark some people up. <laughs> the word mark is translated from the NIV, from Greek. It's baptism. He's talking about baptize. Go baptize people near and far. But the message version says mark them. Why does the message version say mark? I'm glad you're asking this. Because once you're baptized, you're marked. When Jesus comes back, and he's coming back, he's going to separate those who are marked and those who ain't. Those who are marked, the 144,000, as it says in the book of Revelations, will go and be with the Lord forever. There's another group of people who mark, but not with the mark of God. They mark with the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is 666. They belong to Satan because they sold their souls to Satan. They denied the sovereignty and the lordship of Jesus Christ, and they got a different kind of mark. But when you are baptized, you are marked for the day of judgment so that when God sees the mark on your forehead, the mark of baptism on your soul, he is going to let you come on in. But if you ain't got the mark, you can't get in. All right. Okay. So now I lost half my church. Because y'all like, what is he talking about? Okay, let me bring it down so you get it. How many of y'all used to go to the club? You still do. Quit lying. How many of y'all been to a nice party before where they had some good music and had to pay to get in? Raise your hand. All right. When you went to the party and after you paid, there was somebody at the door. With a stamp. And you had to do what before you went in? They stabbed your hand. They had that little blue fluorescent light on. Why did they do that, Derek? In case you left the event and wanted to come back in, you had to show your... How many of y'all got a mark before you came into worship this morning? How many of y'all didn't? Stand up, everybody that didn't. I don't care. Stand up. 
You mean to tell me y'all standing in this church and you ain't got no mark on your hand? How come you didn't get one? I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Depart from me. I know you're not. Not just playing. Come on. <laughs> How come you didn't get one? Uh huh. Nobody offered you one. Oh. Everybody say oh. Nobody offered Frida or Mark. Why didn't you get one? You was here early, I guess. You guess? You're not sure? How about you, ma'am? Oh, wait a minute. So you saw them offering it, but you turned, you just kept walking. And you didn't stop to ask, what's this for? You did? She wouldn't, oh my God. Watch this, that's a teaching moment. Some people want to know how to be saved, but you won't tell them. Some people wanted it, but you didn't offer it. See, y'all thought I was going to beat up on these people, didn't you? You thought I was going to, I'm beating up on you. How you got a stamp and they don't? How you, Pastor Anita, you are two rows in front of these people, and they, you didn't offer them a stamp? Y'all sit down. I'm through with you. <laughs> y'all see what I'm trying to say, though? I, I knew that was going to throw y'all off when I told Pastor Douglas to do that this morning. I knew some of y'all were going to be like, well, I don't need no stamp. Don't make me walk out of this church. Then y'all saw people getting stamped like, let me go get my seat. <laughs> the stamp represents the mark of God on your life. And the way we're marked by God, the way we're marked by God is through baptism. Watch this. Can y'all tell the truth that some of y'all left the event? Let's call it the event being in the will of God. You left the event early. You stepped out of the will of God at some point in your life. Talk to me, please. Can I ask you a question? How did you get back in? Because when God sees you under the light, he sees that you were marked in baptism and nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. Even your own disobedience, even your own mess ups, even your sin, nothing can separate you from the love of God because you have been marked. When I was 12, I got baptized and I got marked. In my 20s, I acted a fool and did everything I was big enough and bad enough to do. But when it was time to come back in the house, God let me back in because he saw my mark. And when we have our church anniversary and we baptize 210 people, we want to make sure that the people of Hickory Hill get their mark so that when Jesus comes back and he holds off the light, he'll see that New Direction Christian Church has been in the business of making disciples and marking people up. So, Frida, please get your mark before you leave. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 1.13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, we were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. Would you touch somebody beside you and say, you are stamped by the love of God and protected 
by the power of God. Dr. Cooper, one of these days when we get to heaven, man, we're going to be like John on the Isle of Patmos when he was caught up in that vision. And he saw a group of people from every tribe and every nation. And they were in white robes. And there's 144,000, they said. And, and, and they said, who are these? He said, these are they. Somebody say, these are they. These are they who have come through great trials and tribulations and have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They shall not die anymore, neither shall they cry anymore. They shall be with God forever. There will be no need for sun in the city because the Lord himself is the light. And when God sees that stamp on your forehead, when God sees that mark on your life, he's going to say, come on up. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many. Anybody looking forward to that day where there's no more sickness, no more cancer, no more pandemic, no more wars, no more dying, no more division, no more tears, no more heartache, no more heartbreak. Then look at your neighbor and say, make sure you got your mark. And we get that mark through baptism. We get that mark through discipleship. We mature. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're marked before you mature. Oh, my God. This ain't even in my notes. Can I give y'all this extra stuff? This is a bonus from the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember Cain and Abel? Cain killed his brother Abel because he was jealous of his brother's sacrifice. And God asked Cain, where your brother at? He said, who am I? Am I my brother's keeper? He says, your brother's blood is crying up from the ground for justice. And he says, I'm going to make you a wanderer. I'm going to uproot you, and you're going to wander the earth because of the sin you committed. And Cain begged God. He said, if somebody sees me out there, they're going to kill me. And you know what God did? He put a mark on Cain so nobody would touch him. Can I tell you why you haven't been touched? It's not because you've been holy. It's not because you've done everything right. It's because when people see you, like, oh, I can't touch him. Oh, I can't touch her. You better be glad I won't put these paws on you, but I can't touch you because of who you belong to. The Bible says, touch not my anointing and do my prophet no harm. The only reason you're still here is because God did not give the death angel permission to touch you because of the mark on your life. All right, let me go on. He expects us to go and make disciples. He expects us to put our mark on people. Uh, our anniversary is coming up, and I want y'all to help me to mark some folk through baptism. Let's get these people in this park. Number seven, Jesus is expecting us to teach. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is expecting you to teach. Jesus is expecting us to shift from eaters to becoming cooks. By this time, many of y'all should be teachers. Y'all been in church so long, you should be up here preaching. Y'all know enough word. You don't need no more word. Y'all been eating word all your life. You haven't been teaching word. Somewhere along the journey, you got to move from student to teacher. Have y'all seen my videos of my wife teaching my baby boy how to cook? Have y'all seen that? So she, 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 the other day, Jane said, Mama, I'm going to go back to school, and I want to learn how to cook like you cook. Because I'm tired of cafeteria food. 
can you teach me? And so she started teaching him how to cook salmon and how to get the breading together and how to get the bones out of the salmon and save the juice and put the juice back in the mix and how to fry it up in a cast iron skillet. Delicious. <laughs> and so when Jaden got back to Bowling Green and Rhonda's getting him his groceries, you know how we do, we got to get him groceries before we leave him. So this joker comes back with a cart full of stuff to make salmon croquettes. And his mother was kind of amazed. She said, how, what you going to do with that, son? He said, I'm making it for my girlfriend on her birthday. Suck it, suck it now. So you want to show her you're a renaissance man, hmm. Not only do you know how to buy the food, but you can cook it. Go on, boy, I ain't mad at you. Jaden realized that if he's going to survive and thrive, that he can't just be an eater. He got to learn how to cook. And many of y'all have been in church too long for you to be sitting there and not know how to cook your own food. In other words, you're supposed to be feeding other people now. You're supposed to be leading a connect group. You're supposed to be leading a children's ministry group. You're supposed to be leading a youth group. Some of y'all are supposed to be preaching. You're running from your gift of preaching, your gift of teaching. Here you are in this body of Christ, asleep at the green light. God has given you the green light. He's given you power. He's given you authority. He's marked you, but you ain't teaching nobody. Look at your neighbor and say, by this time, you should be teaching others. Is this making sense? I'm trying to grow our church up. We can already be 21. You too grown to still be sitting here on baby milk. Y'all grown. Y'all been with me a long time. <clears throat> and when people say stuff like, I, I just matured. I, I need more word. I need more raiment. No, you, you already spiritually fat. You're not going to do any church any good, join another church just to go eat. What makes a church healthy, what makes a church thrive is when all of the members are moving through the process of maturity and spiritual growth and discipleship and making disciples. If you are not making disciples, if you are not teaching, somewhere you fell asleep at your green light. trying to make this make sense help me teach somebody real quick just turn to somebody next to you and say listen I know you want to keep growing right then you can't keep coming in here just eating and sleeping wake up the light is green it's your turn to go teach somebody. Jesus is expecting us to teach. It's time for you to go cook. Hebrews 5 and 12 says, I have a lot more to say about this, but it is hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves, yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners. 
inexperiencing God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. Somebody say, I'm ready for meat now. Last point, thank y'all for being patient. Jesus is expecting you to know that he's not leaving you until you make it home. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us every day. Can somebody testify that the only reason I'm still here and in my right mind is because Jesus never left me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Can I get somebody who's been in the valley before, but you knew that God was with you in the valley? The psalmist was right. Even though I make my bed in hell, he's still there with me. Even the darkness is as light to him. Have you ever been in a dark place but you knew that Jesus was there and that's the only thing that kept you through the depression that's the only thing that kept you while you were in prison that's the only thing that kept you while you were laid off that's the only thing that kept you while you were in the hospital would you touch somebody on their shoulder and say he is with you always God will never leave you nope he will never leave you nor forsake you nope he will never leave you comfortless nope he'll never leave you without help nope he says I'm leaving you the comforter I'm sending you the Holy Spirit last thing he told them he says don't go nowhere until I send the Holy Spirit and he ascended up into heaven and they were standing there looking as Jesus went up into heaven and the angel says why are you standing around here the same way he went up is the same way he's going to return but when he comes back don't let him catch you with your work undone look at your neighbor and say make sure the house is in order before the Lord comes back Make sure you clean up your act before the Lord comes back. Make sure you get your mark before the Lord comes back. Make sure you make disciples before the Lord comes back. Make sure you get your understanding before the Lord comes back. You've got the power and authority. The light is green. It's time for you to go. Put your phone up. Stand up on your feet and say, I'm ready to go right now. Would you high five two people and say, I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go to the next level. I'm ready to walk in my wealthy place. I'm ready to walk out of debt. I'm ready to walk into my blessing. I'm ready to walk into my breakthrough. I'm ready to head in a new direction from the inside out. Can somebody in here say, I expect the great. I expect my breakthrough. I expect my promotion. I expect my healing. I'm so glad that God can meet me at the point of my expectation. But he doesn't stop there because my Bible tells me that my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can imagine, think, or conceive. I need you to look somebody in the eye and tell them that God's going to do more than that. God's, whatever you expect God to do, God's going to do more than that. Look at your neighbor and say, I expect God to supersede my expectations. This morning, 
This morning in prayer, I read from James chapter 2, verse 1, 1 verse 2, where it says, count it all joy. When you go through diverse trials and tribulations, count it all joy. Y'all not listen to me. I just want to talk to the people who've been through hell and back the first half of the year. I need you to raise your hand to make sure I'm talking to somebody. Is there anybody that's been through some kind of test, some kind of trial, some kind of tribulation? Look at your neighbor and say, count it all joy. I need you to take, I need you to, I need you to take 10 seconds and give God some praise for all the hell you went through for the first half because watch this the second half is coming and God says you win in the end is there anybody that knows that the second half of the year is going to be better than the first half of the year can somebody begin to celebrate and shout right now that October is going to be better September is going to be better October is going to be better November is going to be better December is going to get better get 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 for your breakthrough get ready for your next level get ready for your anointing get ready for your new job get ready for your new spouse get ready for your new marriage get ready for your new contracts get ready for your new clientele get ready for your breakthrough god says the second half is going to be better than the first half because you are getting ready to go the light is green go put your phone up and go quit being distracted and go quit holding to the past and go the light is green